This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Our guest this morning is Adam Goggins, newly named program manager of the Deschutes County Stabilization Center. Adam, thank you so much for your time this morning. We really appreciate it and congratulations on your new position. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. First of all, a bit about you. Give us a bit about your background and how you came to be named manager of the DCS. Yeah, absolutely. I have been in the mental health field for over 10 years, uh, working in crisis for the majority of that. I worked kind of in a variety of different contexts, including the uh, the suicide hotline in, in Portland and Oklahoma City. I worked in St. Charles as an emergency department social worker, just doing evaluations and those kinds of things as well. I worked for several years on the mobile crisis team and was a supervisor for the crisis team and the stabilization center for several years before coming into this position. Well, you're certainly well qualified. Educate us, please, exactly what is the Stabilization Center and what services does it provide for our community? Yeah, absolutely. So the Stabilization Center has been open since June 1st, 2020. We are essentially what someone might call a crisis receiving center, which is really a place that anyone who's experiencing any kind of crisis can come to get help with whatever needs that they have. And so we kind of have an adage from, uh, of anything from a stub toe to meth-induced psychosis We'll, we'll serve anything and everything in between. And, um, you know, we're there just for really for anyone on, on their worst day to try and help them out with, with anything that they struggle with. It doesn't really matter what the issue is so long as they identify themselves as being in some kind of crisis and we'll help them to, to get connected with services. We have therapists and case managers and peer support specialists that all help to wrap around the individuals who are located at the the stabilization center so that we can help them to really move through the crisis and be able to kind of get back to living their best life, living their their higher quality of life. How did the Stabilization Center come to be and how is it funded? Yeah, absolutely. It started out several years ago. It's a collaboration between Deschutes County Health Services and Deschutes County Sheriff's Office where, you know, started out with uh, the brainchild of Holly Harris, who is our program manager, is now Deputy Director of Behavioral Health. And she worked with our current sheriff now, Shane Nelson, on essentially developing this program to help to essentially be an alternative for a couple of different goals. The first is to, to help to increase you know crisis access in the community, but also to help to reduce the number of severely mentally ill people ending up in the jail system. And so Shane um, is in charge of the of the jail system and, and those kinds of things here in Deschutes County and, and saw that a lot of folks with severe persistent mental illness were ending up in the jail. And um, it was just kind of a natural coordination, a natural match in that sense. And so they worked together and it took about five years in the making, but they were able to kind of piece together a mixture of funding from the sheriff's office, ongoing sh- uh, funding from the sheriff's office, funding from the city of Bend, funding from a program called the Impacts Grant, which is uh, CJC, so Criminal Justice Commission, and several other grants uh, that we were able to kind of cobble together to, to put the, the Stabilization Center together. So what areas does the Stabilization Center serve? 
Uh, yeah, we actually will serve. We're stationed uh, in North Bend, so right by the jail, or you know, kind of on Jamison Street. But we actually serve the the greater Tri County area uh, in northern Klamath County. So you know, we get people who come in from Crook County or from Jefferson County as well who are seeking out services. Furthermore, we we don't really make a distinction between someone's you know location or residency or where they're at. If they come through our doors, they came through the right door and we will help them wherever you know whatever their residency is whatever county they came from and so are there other stabilization centers in the state there is uh my understanding is that i I believe there's one in klamath county and there are several others that are trying to to get off the ground but had uh, various degrees of success in that but we're the kind of one of the only ones in the state and have been ones that have been able to do it so far at this point there's several who are trying and, and desperately want to do that so you mentioned Shane Nelson. You work, w- obviously, with Deschutes County Sheriff. What other law enforcement agencies do you work with? Oh, absolutely. We have a, a, a really strong relationship with uh, a lot of our law enforcement partners. Uh, we work really closely with, with Ben PD, with Redmond PD, uh, Black Butte and Sun River, all of our, really all of our local agencies. We meet on a monthly basis just to, to talk about, you know, some of the issues that we all collectively face and things that we can do to try to improve our overall response to, to mental health treatment. How can we provide better mental health services? to the community just through those partnerships. So the Stabilization Center celebrates its three-year anniversary tomorrow. Mm-hmm. How many individuals have you treated in that length of time? Yeah, absolutely. So the most up-to-date data that we have is through the end of April of 2023. And so far, we've had 5,954 people that we've served. And so to kind of put that into a perspective, with relation to Deschutes County's population, that's probably one out of every 34 people in Deschutes County um, that we've served. So there's a degree of, you know, if either most people out there either know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody who has has come to the stabilization center over the years. What type of crisis do you see most frequently at the center? Uh, most most of the time, I mean, we we have a lot of folks who are struggling with uh, with suicidal thoughts. I think is probably the most common kind of thing. And usually, I mean, we are very excited to have folks. Uh, I mean, it's kind of an odd thing to say, but we're really excited for them to to come and and see us because they're seeking help and they're not actually you know doing things to act on that at that point. And so instead of acting on those thoughts, they're they're coming out and they're seeking help and they're seeking support. And so. That's that's by far our most common population that we work with. Of those uh, n- nearly 6,000 folks that we've had, 97 folks said that they would have ended their life had they not come to the stabilization center. And another 1,700 said they wouldn't known what they would have done had they not come to the stabilization center. So that, that number could have been significantly more had we not been able to provide the services that we're able to provide. That's amazing. But if I'm an individual in crisis in, say, Prineville, and you're located in Bend, how does that work? We operate under a philosophy of trying to remove as many barriers for accessing services as possible. And so there's really a matter of if you're able to give us a call, if you're able to reach out to us or anything like that, we'll work on trying to figure out a game plan for you. If someone were to call us at our front desk number or anything along those lines, then 
and it's not what I would consider, it's not an emergency line, but, you know, we have had times where we've been able to help to secure transport for, for people from Prineville to the stabilization center and vice versa. Uh, we really don't want barriers to treatment to, to really be there, especially when we're looking at some of our more rural areas and kind of underserved areas. We want to try to bridge those gaps as much as we can so that we can support the community uh, in, in the best way possible. Does the center serve children as well as adults? Yes, we do. So that's something that we're actually trying to improve our, our numbers on. So about 12% of the folks that we have seen so far uh, have been children. How old? The the youngest folks that we've seen is age five. Um, so we've seen folks as young as five and as old as 95. So we really have served the whole lifespan in, in human development. And we're pretty excited about that. We want to see more kids. We want to see more teenagers because we know that the need is out there. And we want to try to, to, to reach that group because we know that they're vulnerable and we know that there's a need there and we want to try to support them more. Individuals in crisis, do they need a referral or do they need to be brought in by the authorities or how does that work? We actually have a couple of different ways that folks can come into us, into our services. So uh, one is through law enforcement. We're one of the few, interestingly enough, across the country, we're one of the few stabilization centers that offer kind of both a law enforcement drop-off and a a walk-in drop-off option where law enforcement can and essentially drop them off. So if they're having contact with someone out in the field and they're saying, hey, you know, this person could really benefit from you know, mental health services, do you want to go to the stabilization center? They can just bring them over to us and we'll take a drop off. But by far, the most accessible way is just through our front door. You know, we're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And we've been that way since October uh, 19th, 2020. So through Omicron, through Delta, through all the variants of COVID, we've been open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And people have come in at at all hours to, to receive services. And we had a traveling therapist come in and one time they're like, man, it's like 7-Eleven in here. People are just walking in off the street. And I, I absolutely love that because we want it to be as easy to get crisis services as it is to go to 7-Eleven. You know, so 7-Eleven model of services is, is something that, that I, I absolutely love. Maybe they could get a Slurpee while they're there. I know. So when an individual comes into your facility, what can they expect? Yeah, they would first meet with one of our behavioral health technicians who's at the front desk. They might ask him some rudimentary questions about, you know, hey, you know, what's going on? Have you been here before? Those kinds of things. They give him some very minimal paperwork just so they have that available to them and we can kind of get the process started. Within 20 minutes is is really our goal from the time that they arrive to the time that they're seated in one of our intake rooms and And they would be able to meet with a therapist or a case manager who will then complete an assessment with them. We'll talk with them. We'll try to understand. So what's the risk factors? What's going on? What are the needs that are going on and how can we best support them? And then from that initial assessment, we can make all kinds of recommendations and referrals. We can connect them to, you know, we can connect them to uh, Brooks Respite, uh, a respite center that's up in, in Redmond. We can help get them connected to detox centers. We can help them get connected to substance abuse. We can help get them connected to houselessness resources and just any number of different uh, services that are available for that. 
So how long can an individual stay at your facility? So we do have something called a, a respite unit. So individuals can stay up to 23 hours at a time, but the average length of stay is, I think it's 10 and a half hours. So essentially folks will come in and what we know is that crises are time limited. And so no feeling lasts forever, whether it's a good feeling or a bad feeling. And so what a lot of folks need is, is they need time to get some distance between themselves and the crisis itself. And so if we're able to kind of give them some time, some space to decompress, a safe place to relax, get some of their needs met and, and, you know, take a look, you know, take a load off, we're able to kind of move past that without having to send them to the hospital or having to take more invasive interventions, you know, like the hospital. And so uh, folks can stay there for up to 23 hours. But generally speaking, most times it's a lot less than that. It's about 10 hours. Why 23? Um, once you hit 24, we get into new uh, range where we become a residential facility. <laughs> and so there's new statutes and laws and things like that that we'd have to hear. Tell me about a hypothetical individual that comes to the crisis center. Yeah, absolutely. So we have one that we talked about before a lot where, you know, so there's this individual who potentially has a delusional disorder or schizophrenia who for some reason or another thinks that the governor, you know, Tina Kotek think, you know, has bestowed upon them this restaurant and they keep going back into the restaurant over and over again. They think that they own it. It's it's a false belief and, and that's the nature of a delusion. They're false to beliefs and no matter how many times they remove them from the restaurant they can't convince them otherwise and so historically before the stabilization center opened up law enforcement really wasn't they didn't have very many options they couldn't take them to the hospital because they weren't really dangerous and they couldn't really leave them there because they would just go right back into the restaurant and so historically they've had to send them to the jail and what the stabilization center has done is it's provided you know uh, another alternative to where they're able to bring them to the stabilization center and say hey instead of going to the jail, why don't you go to the stabilization center where they'll be able to to get you help, get you connected with medications, get you connected with a case manager, and be able to address some of the underlying issues that might be going on there. Do you see many people that maybe have gone off their meds? Uh, Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, there's uh, a lot of folks who, um, there's a lot of downsides to taking medication sometimes. It can be unpleasant, and so folks can sometimes go off and on medications at different times. But uh, yeah, that, that is kind of a common occurrence sometimes. What about repeat clients? Do you see clients come back and back? We do. We do. Probably about a third of our clients are folks that we see fairly regularly, but they're folks that we're able to do some kind of wraparound service, help to really engage them and then get them up to a higher level of functioning that they won't engage in the crisis system anymore. So switching gears a bit, May 1st of this year, you started the Community Crisis Response Program. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So this is an exciting new program that we're essentially expanding our mobile crisis team's ability to go out into the community to evaluate crisis.
crisis without law enforcement present. So we're able to go out, meet people where they're at without law enforcement and really assess the need. So far, we've had, I believe, over 200 dispatches into the community or dispatches from 911 and and law enforcement where we've been able to resolve without law enforcement's presence. Let's talk about an award. The center recently won the Northwest Crisis Intervention Team Community Resource of the Year Award. Tell us about this honor and who is the Northwest CIT and what was the criteria for you to win it? Yeah, Northwest CIT is essentially a conglomerate of states that make up the Northwest Conference for CIT, which is Crisis Intervention Team. They're the group of folks that work on essentially coordinating mental health and law enforcement response. They're really at the cutting edge of trying to do nonviolent de-escalation, nonviolent engagement with folks who are struggling with mental health issues. And it includes Alaska, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and Northern uh, California. Our name was submitted and was uh, selected as the resource of the year uh, for really some of our, um, just some of the services that we've been able to provide so far. That's amazing. And congratulations. Where can our listeners go for more information on the Stabilization Center? And most importantly, how can an individual in crisis get help? So you can go on to, uh, you can go on to our website at just uh, Deschutes County's website and, or just type in Deschutes County Stabilization Center into Google or Bing or whatever you know search engine you use. You can also call the Stabilization Center's 24-hour office line at 541-585-7210. It's not an emergency line, but it's certainly available. It's answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if there's any questions or concerns. Well, thank you, Adam Goggins from the Deschutes County Stabilization Center for your time this morning and for all you do for our community. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations.